Hey guys, welcome back to Embracing Your Virtue. We are in the midst of a wonderful discussion about embracing special education, where me and three of my friends talk about our journeys of parenting children with special needs. Let's jump right back into the discussion. Um, so I think we kind of touched on like what feelings did it bring up as a mom a little bit? Do you guys have anything to add to that? I know you kind of talked about it within your um, within your intros, but any other thoughts on that before we move on? I will say this. I felt um, I was frustrated because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was frustrated because my oldest son is the exact opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. those of you who know my oldest son, he's like borderline genius. And that's not really me saying it because he's my son, but he he has a mind just to learn information, retain it and want to learn more and just very independent. Um mm-hmm. And he, you know, you don't have to really teach him anything. Like he will just learn it like just on his own. Mm-hmm. And so to go from, you know, that, and he was my oldest. So I was like, oh, this is a breeze. Great. And then with my second one, it was like, wait, hold on. Like what's, what's going on? Um, and so I was frustrated at first because I was like, come on, you got to read. Come on. You got to, you know, and he, but he was not the least bit interested at all. So at first I was frustrated and then the guilt set in. Then mm-hmm. the guilt set in because I was like, did I have him on formula too long? You know, um, I tried to read to him, but when he wasn't interested, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do what I got to do then. Forget this. And I didn't really push him, you know, um, because as a social worker, I've worked with students who are special needs. And so mm-hmm. I've sat with families and I've talked with them and, and I knew I, I, from just sitting with them, having to try to encourage them to get the services and to, to really take full advantage of what's, what the district has to offer, you know, but now I'm on the other side as a parent now. So it was like, Oh, I can't, I can't just give these people advice and not be willing to take it myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to put my money where my mouth is and really just, you know, do this for him. And it was the best thing because I don't know where he would be if we didn't give him, those serv- like if we didn't really give him those services. So one, I realized, okay, okay, he's got an emotional disturbance. What are you going to do about it is, is, is the question I asked myself. This is what your child has, now what? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I can't just sit here and, and be mad and be frustrated because this mm-hmm. is what it is. Okay, this is what it is. He's got an emotional disturbance. All right, let's deal with it. And so because I'm a social worker, I was very, you know, very on the case manager. I was on her asking questions. I, I went up to the district office. I said, we need a meeting and I'm not leaving till I get it. And so, you know, because I felt like, you know, as a parent, I don't want to feel powerless because at first I did feel very powerless, especially when I was in, when we were in New York, I felt very powerless. But in New Jersey, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden I was like, I want a meeting and I want everybody in here now. Because, you know, we, this is what's going on and I'm not leaving until we have some sort of agreement about what's going to happen with my son. Because I didn't want him to be another, you know, another black child lost in the system. Like, we're not about to do that. Not here. Yeah. You know? So I felt like I went from frustrated to guilty to frustrated and then empowered almost. Because mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what he needs. What do you have to address this? And if you don't have it, then send me somewhere where he can get it. And if he can't get it, I'm coming back to you to find out what's going on. Like, you know, I was just that person. 
because I didn't want to just give people the information on the social worker side, right? Give them the information. Oh, you need to know your rights. You need to do this. You need to do that. And then not take that same advice myself. You know what I mean? So I I use that to help fuel, you know, and and help advocate for him so that he could get the services he needed. So it was a whole whole different circle of emotions that I felt. But I realized, okay, this is where he's at. All right, let's do this. What are we going to do now? We can't just sit here and be mad. Let's get on it. And that's kind of my whole emotional journey in that part. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I've... I think for, for me, you know, mom guilt is tremendous, period. Just mm-hmm. forget it. You know what I mean? We sit in guilt like almost on a regular basis. You know, we go and get our hair done we feel guilty because we're like, we should be home. And you know, who's ever, it's like, you got to just, so when you have a, when you have a child who has a special need on top of it, it's even more so, right. You, you're like leaving them for a second and they can't, you know, communicate. I I was just like, I, I can't leave her with anyone because I, I don't know that she can communicate and they'll understand what she needs and da, 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 da. There's all these components to it. So guilt was definitely the first factor. Like, did I do everything right? Did I eat everything? I don't eat meat. So I ate a lot of yogurts. I didn't eat a lot of sugar. What is this? What's happening? And then, and then I think I took ego out of the way. It's not about me. Mm. It's about my kid mm. and what my kid yeah. needs to be their best self, right? So yeah. who cares who... Aunt Susie may think, or Grandpa Joe may think, I can't think about that now. I can't internalize that because then I will be doing a disservice to her. So I mm-hmm. had to take ego, my ego, because we all want to brag about, you know, our kids and their capabilities or whatever it is. This is what we do or whatever. But I had to take my ego out the way and then say, what is it that she needs? So mm-hmm. I think getting you know, getting past that guilt and, and sitting in admittance and then going, okay, what do we do was the hardest part. That transition was difficult because I felt like I wasn't just advocating for her, but I had to sort of like justify it to all these other people in your families or your friends, or, and it's like, why are you doing that to her? Like if you're not making the right decision. And so I think once I got past to the point where it was like, mind your business, (laughs) This is what I have to do. And, and then carried on. And once you got that validation of, yes, we see what you see, because we're the experts, right? And then you're like, you're right. None of you have an MD or anything after your name. So no, you're not experts at this. These experts are saying they're seeing what I'm saying. So then I felt empowered, like you said, Noel, to be like, okay, what do we got to do? What do I need to do? And then I, I made the decision to take time and step away from work and be a stay-at-home mom to be able to learn about what the needs are, what can I do to help on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, being with the speech therapist on a, a regular and, and being that first point of contact after she comes out of a session to be able to say, okay, What do you see? What do I need to repeat at home for the next couple of days before we see you again? And so that gave me so much peace because I wasn't hearing the information as well secondhand. 
And then, not for nothing, when you see the growth, when you see the progress, there is nothing that makes your heart skip with joy to be like, wow, you know, full sentences Mm -hmm. or whole entire discussions where you don't feel you have to translate or someone has to say what or whatever. That little moment was worth just everything to me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I feel so good that I didn't sit in that guilt for too long and that I allowed myself to go, okay, like you said, Jasmine, you know, with Janine, with, with your family and everyone in your head, you're like, okay, maybe or not. And then, and that takes even more time before you can actually settle down and go, yes, I see, you know what, this is the steps that I have to take. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. So I'm going to piggyback off of that and say that, um, one of the other things that we had to do was, um, readjust our expectations. I was trying to figure out the word readjust our expectations. Right. So similar to what, you know, Noelle and Otelia were saying was that like, you know, when you have your child, you have these, well, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm not going to assume you guys, but I'll say that, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a mother, there are, there are dreams that I have for my children, right? There are things that I would like them as they get older to have, to experience, to do all these other things. And so all of that, I've had to reflect on what my expectations were of my, of the boys. And, you know, in this case of, of Noah, and I think one of the things that really, um, got to me, I was having a conversation with a really close friend of ours and she was saying how, you know, her mom just really wants her to get married. Right. I mean, she's, she's a young adult. So at that time she was like, her mom just really wants her to get married, you know, have a fulfilling life, have a happy life and all of that. And then I, then I stopped for a moment. I said, is that really, does that really define a fulfilling life? Does that really define what is our ultimate goal is to get married and have children? And, and so for some people, yeah, that might be, and that's wonderful, you know, but for Noah is that, will that define like he really lived a great life if he got married and had kids? Because maybe at this point, I don't know if he'll ever get married. I don't know if he'll ever have children, but ultimately that expectation had to change and say, okay, let's take this three years at a time, right? Let's take this six months at a time and say, you know what, our expectation right now is for him similarly to have a dialogue, to have a back and forth conversation with people. Our expectation when he gets to middle school is to be able to uh, get himself ready all by himself, to be able to get his breakfast ready, to be able to tell people, you know, that he got hurt or something like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to share a little story too, is that when he was in um, first grade, something like that, he was taking the bus, right? Because for special ed kids, you are able, you get to and from school. So he was taking the bus and there was this season where he got to school and he would come off the bus with a mark on his face. And so the teachers would ask me, you know, is everything okay? Like we saw a mark on his face and I would be so confused because I said, I didn't see it in the morning. And, you know, sometimes when we're so busy in the morning, we, we don't really see all the scratches or whatever, and especially if it's, you know, whatever it's, it's hidden, right? Some, and boys will be boys. And I say that stereotypically, but boys will be boys. They'll get hurt. They won't even complain about it. It just is, you know, life. But this was happening like 
for two weeks. And the teachers would just ask, you know, do you know where he got the scratch? And I said, I have no idea. And we would give him a bath every day. We do, you know, the whole thing. And at that point, you know, Noah didn't have the words to tell us I got hurt or someone hit me or any of those things. So I kept logging and said, you know what, I'm going to take a picture before he gets on the bus. And then you let me know if he comes off the bus with a scratch on his face. And we'll compare notes and see what happens. And so we did this for maybe three weeks. And I, and I said, you know, and this one particular time, he had a scratch from his ear all the way down here. And it was bleeding. And they asked me, what was it? I said, that big scratch, I would have seen that at home if it did happen at home. So then obviously we, you know, investigated, found, was trying to figure out what was happening. Long story short, a kid on the bus was was hitting him. And um, and no one would have known except for this one time when he was getting off of the bus and one of the other kids in the back of the bus said, so-and-so hit Noah. And that's when things happened, right? And so, you know, I, I say those things because, and, and when I when I heard that, I started to cry because I said, oh my gosh, my baby, like he can't even say that he got hurt. You know, mm -hmm. he couldn't even express like someone's hurting me. And that's hard. And so, I mean, part of his speech, actually, his speech teacher um, was, was putting that part, uh, uh, um, including that as part of the speech plan, which sounds really crazy. But she was teaching him, know what, if someone pushes you, you have to say, ouch, that hurts. Right. Or if someone mm -hmm. does something bad to you, you have to tell someone, someone did this to me. And so that was part of even his IEP was having to articulate those words, right? And for us, that's not even a thing. We just think if someone hurts us, hey, you hurt me. But for kids who, you know, in Noah's case, he doesn't have those words or he doesn't even have the capability to say, oh, that, yeah, that's something that shouldn't be done. But anyway, as you process through that, um, so expectations, right? Going back to what I was saying is expectations. What am I expecting of him? And I, you know, over the summer, the relief um, of hearing him, well, okay, so, right, we have two sons, and they would, their boys, they would kind of push each other around, and I heard Noah say, ouch, you hurt me, and so in that moment, I said, oh my goodness, that's amazing, and so, you know, it, yeah, we didn't have expectations of when that was going to happen or how that was going to happen. And granted, obviously, we told both boys you can't hurt each other. But, you know, even that expectation of how do you communicate that? How do you praise that? Like, thank you, Noah, for letting me know. Um, and so mm -hmm. my expectation is not he's going to get married and have kids because that may never happen. And that's OK. But the expectation is that he needs to be mm -hmm. an independent kid who can express how he's feeling. So at that point, this is where expectations are. And the, the emotions, what you're saying or asking, they're always evolving, right? So similar to what Noel is saying is like, you, you have a circle of emotions and sometimes those emotions happen in like five minutes. You go from guilty, happy, victorious, um, mm -hmm. but you just kind of have to embrace it and work with it, so. Yeah, I think, I think that was, such a nerve because that's one of the things or my concerns when she couldn't verbalize certain things it's who can I trust with my kid because she can't communicate with me right now in saying this happened 
that happened or someone may have hurt her. So it was always this knot in my stomach. And so I would only allow what so, you know, like my parents or just go out with her dad or something like that, because you, you're, you know, you live in this sort of fear that you don't catch everything because their communication is not like, like the other kids. And so you're almost working double time in trying to decipher how their day was, how things are happening with the, you know, with the, within context of how they can communicate. And so you, you are afraid of missing those things or, or, or things like that. And I, and I've always said with, with Gabby, when she was able to say like with Noah, Hey, don't do that. Or, you know, I was so upset because this person at school did such and such. And it was like, thank you. You know, like, like there's such little milestones and no one else would understand except this exclusive club that we belong to. You know what I mean? And, and it is an exclusive club because when you start, like when Samantha started talking to me and, and we started talking about Nathan and the days that she may feel a little bit overwhelmed, it's like, you know, you can say, listen, I understand trying to get the school together, trying to advocate and, and getting more speech time and stuff. Like people don't understand the work that you do to make sure that they have what they have. While everyone first day of school is like, great, first day, goodbye. You know, but our little steps and expectation when she when she makes those achievements, when she brings home her grade and she's just so thrilled, it's like you know, it's just, it's just a, yeah. a breath that you, you exhale and you can say, you know, thank you, God. That, that's all I have. You know, like, just thank God. That's it. True. So with everything you guys have said, I think the, the one other thing that was so helpful for me in getting past the, the whys and the guilt and all of those like initial feelings has been talking. And talking with other moms, especially moms, like Otilia said, who are in that exclusive club, right? Because I'm like, that's why I invited you guys on, because I'm like, I've heard your stories. We've talked about, you know, all those things. And I'm like, I see each one of you. And I'm like, these are people who have stable homes for their kids. These are people who are well-educated. You know, these are our families who I know are like invested in their kids. They're not neglecting their kids. And it's like, they have kids with special needs too. Like it's not necessarily something that you did, but it just is. And it just happens and that's okay. You know, my, my kid is the youngest. My kids are the youngest of, of all of you right. guys to go through the process. And I'm like, I'm so grateful to know people who've gone through it who could be like, oh, listen, this is what you can do, you know? And I'm like, I have to catch myself because I'll talk to a random person in the playground and be like diagnosing their kid. I'll be like, let me give you the number. You know? <laughs> like, I don't want to diagnose your kid, but I just want to help. I'm like, if you need yeah, it, yeah. this is what you do. You know? so, like, there's there's um, a couple of times that's happened to at our playground where a parent will say something and I'm like, well, you know, you, you could ask and see or check this out and you're like, oh, I got to back up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. um, I'll say this too. That you know, it's important that that support is key, right? Mm -hmm. Like having the support network is key because one thing, like you know, just from a clinical background, like if if a person is going through something and they're suffering in silence, 
you know, they're most likely to never find a way out or, or, or most likely to stay in that place because they'll feel either ashamed or anything like that because of what's going on. But you find that there's strength in numbers and there's strength mm-hmm. in actually talking, you know, to other parents, other moms who have gone through a similar situation, who have gone through, you know, um, or who are currently going through a similar situation. It's really important because without support, you don't even, you, it's like if somebody doesn't blaze the trail ahead of you, right? Then it's like, how in the world do I know which way to go, who to talk to, and, and different things like that. You know, it's, it's important. And I'll say this too about the, um, one thing I learned actually is this, that as if you didn't do drugs or alcohol, heavy alcohol, or like, like fail to get prenatal care, it wasn't your fault. Like, think about that. Like those things are like paramount. Like if, if somebody's doing illicit drugs, illegal drugs, or taking alcohol, you know, you know, on like just excessively, I'll say, and then, um, or not taking their prenatals and not going to see a doctor and that, and if something comes out wrong with your child, then okay, we got to look at that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you did what you were supposed to do, you know, you did your best to eat right. I didn't always eat right. I'll be honest with any of my kids. I, I, the, only the first one I ate right. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Keep it real. Like, the only the first <laughs> one I really <laughs> ate right. <laughs> you know, but if you did your best and you, you know, you, you did what you could, right? Uh-huh. Then whatever goes on with your kid, it wasn't, it's not a reflection of you as a parent. And I think we as moms of, of, of any parent, mom or dad, we as moms really internalize that the most because mm-hmm. we, because our children are a reflection, so they say, of us. So whatever mm-hmm. goes on with our kids is a direct reflection of us. There's some truth to that, but then there's, there's some other things to that too. Like, you know, you could have given your children everything, but they still, you know, there are still things that even you can't touch or even, you know, you can't influence, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's when, when children have special needs, it's not, like I said, unless it was something like blatant and crazy, like, you know what I'm saying? Like what I mentioned earlier, it's not a reflection of the parent. It is not a reflection of what you did or, did or didn't do. And I, and I have, that was a reminder to me because I'm like, well, how did my kid get so angry and why he's so out of control? Is it my fault? Am I always angry and out of control? Like what, you know, it made me think that, but then I'm like, you know, we, we do what we can in providing stable homes for our children. Like you were saying, Samantha, we, we do our best by making sure that they're fed every day. We do our best to make sure that they have a, a warm bed to sleep in and a clean home to, to go to and they're being educated and they're being clothed and there are different things like that. So, and then the, uh, the best thing that we do for them is when something's wrong, we get help when mm-hmm. they're lacking something. It's like, okay, if it's something that I can't do, then I got to find somebody who is qualified and trained who can, because I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit there knowing that there's a need, you know, and not do anything about it. And that in and of itself is being a good parent, realizing that when your child has a need, that you reach out, that you advocate, that you talk, you know, to somebody so that your child can get what they need. Because ultimately, not getting them what they need is then we looking at a neglect issue. 
You know, that's that's right. when you're looking at a neglect issue. But if your child has an issue, if your child has a difficulty, then getting them the help that they need says a lot about your character as a parent. It says a lot that you are willing to do what it takes to make sure that your child's needs are met. And so that, that's important to, to remember, too, as, as you journey on in the process. And even if there are times when we set back, even if there are times when they're not progressing as fast as you would like or, you know, or, or maybe they was, they was here and it maybe took a little step back. It's important to just still give them what they need. Still reach out to the people, reach out to case managers, reach out to teachers, reach out to service providers, whoever it is, and, and just stay in that communication because all of those acts are acts of love and all of those acts prove that as a parent, as a mom, you are doing what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that part is what is reflective of you as a parent, making mm-hmm. sure that your child gets, the need, gets their needs met, making sure they have the services, you know, making sure that they're meeting their, their goals and, and, and making sure that you, that you stay in connection and communication with the school, things like that. But the, the issues that our children have are not reflective of us as parents. It's what we do about the issues that our children have that will reflect on us as parents. Guys, we are just getting started. Make sure that you join us for part three of our discussion, Embracing Special Education, where we talk about what God has taught us in the midst of our parenting, our special needs children. Make sure that you subscribe and hit the notification button so that you'll be alerted right away when the next video hits. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Bye.